Hi, I'm Dr. James Adele. Welcome to The Right Tool for the Right Job, Choosing and Using Topical Hemostatic Agents in Hospital Outpatient Departments and Ambulatory Surgery Centers. This CME initiative is supported by an educational grant from Pfizer, Inc. This is the second of three CMEO snacks that will cover preparing topical hemostatic agents for use in hospital outpatient surgery center departments and ambulatory surgery centers. Again, I'm Dr. James Dowdell. I'm an assistant attending orthopedic surgeon at the Hospital for Special Surgery, where I work in spine surgery. And with me again is Michael Capito, a perioperative nurse with Hospital for Special Surgery in New York City. Welcome back, Michael. Thanks, Dr. Dowdell, for including me in this initiative. Here's our learning objective for today's program. After participating in this activity, learners should be better able to prepare topical hemostatic agents for use in the outpatient surgical environment. So in a moment, Michael is going to take us through the steps of preparing specific topical hemostatic agents. So first, let me offer some global comments on collaborative planning and coordination. The interprofessional team consists of surgeons, anesthesiologists, nurses, and technologists. Now, ultimately, the most important thing is that everyone on that team feels that they are part of a team, that there's respect in the room, and everyone feels that they can speak up, because it's everyone's responsibility in the OR to maintain sterile environment, coordinate patient care, and anticipate equipment needs. What does that come down to? The patient in the room is everyone's responsibility. So there are some general considerations for preparing topical hemostatic agents, and ultimately, we want to make sure that there's safe management of the sterile field, We want to follow the manufacturer's instructions for the storage and preparation. And we also want to prevent us using expired products, right? There's expiration dates on the the box that we use before we prepare it. Michael, did I get that right? Absolutely. Um, Every single one of those are very important from checking the expiration date to proper preparation of these uh, products. Now, ultimately, how many times have you put a product on or tried to open a product and have that product be expired, but you, because you've checked it, it hasn't impacted the patient? I actually have been very lucky to not ever have seen an expired product um, in my situations, um, but maybe something pretty close to expiration date, but always, always within, yeah. So I think that boils down to ASS's <laughs> yeah. quality checks. I think yeah. that's important, right? We're checking these products on the back end, so it doesn't just mean the team in the OR, it means the team that's stocking everything as well. Now to some specific examples of prepping hemostatic agents for surgery. Thanks, Dr. Dada. Let's start with a few simple out-of-the-box solutions. So I say out-of-the-box, these things are just ready to go once you open them up. Um, what I could focus on in particular is Surgicel. So um, Surgicel comes in various forms. We have the original, we have a version called Gribrilar, another called Snow and another Nunit. Um, where I work, uh, we mostly use Nunit, and I've seen Fribular also used. Now, all four of these have various applications, and depending on the situation you're in is what you're going to want to um, bring out for surgery, basically. Um, you can manipulate these things. You can cut them up, and uh, whatever um, shape or size you need them for, um, so basically for the surgeon to use in the particular station, a situation that they're uh, facing. So typically, I'm going to jump in for a second, Michael. I use Fibrilar sometimes in pedicle holes. I'll cut it to the shape of a pedicle, and I'll, I'll shove it right in the pedicle so we don't we prevent bleeding from that cancellous bone in the pedicle. I don't like to put flowables in that if I can avoid it. Uh, and the concern I have about a flowable is if you have uh, a cortical breach somewhere that flowable can get into an area you don't want it to go. Uh, Nunit, I'll typically use that as my surgical cell of choice. 
in laminotomy defects and when I'm trying to put a flowable into cancellous bone, different cancellous bone than the pedicle, right? I'm talking about a laminotomy defect where I'm, uh, it's a very controlled uh, segment of space. So, Mike, why don't you go into some flowable uh, preparations now? Sure. What you're going to need to, uh, before preparing the gel flow MT, you also require thrombin JMI. Uh, when you open the package, um, you will see a vial of sodium chloride. Um, you'll see the actual thrombin, another vial. Um, you'll have a transfer device, uh, sterile syringe also. So what you're going to want to do is pop off the tops of both of your vials. And then what you're going to do is you want to connect uh, this transfer device onto the lure lock end of the syringe. Okay, so you're going to take this and you want to put it on a flat surface. And you want to uh, puncture the top of the, the vial. And you want to go at a 90 degree angle. Um, quick tip from what I've experienced, uh, you don't want to go in at an angle at all. What happens with that is um, uh, constant problems later. Sometimes you won't be able to draw it up or you won't be able to uh, transfer it later. But just keep in mind, always try to do it at a 90 degree angle. Otherwise, you'll run into problems later. So from here, you just drop the saline. It's about five cc's. Okay. And what I like to do is I like to bend it, take it off. You keep this, keep this end sterile. And you want to puncture the other side. Okay. And so in here is uh, powder for thrombin. And um, what happens with that, uh, as you saw right there, it automatically sucks it down. Um, if the powder isn't completely uh, dissolved as fast as you'd like, what I like to do is swirl it. Ideally, you don't want to shake it. It causes a lot of bubbles, and you won't be able to get all the product out later. And from here, you're going to draw it up. Okay. And make sure to pull back on the plunger. Otherwise, it's going to suck right back in. And then you're going to twist it off and connect this device, which we'll use to transfer into the gel flow entity. Okay. All these products you're going to want to open up onto the sterile field. Yeah. Always check your expiration dates prior. Double packaging. Great. Okay. So here we have all our uh, items um, the gel flow and key packaging, along with our prepared thrombin that we're going to connect it with. Uh, these are applicator tips that you can use for later. So Jelflow NT already comes with its own connector. What we're going to do is uh, just screw that on. Make sure it's nice and tight. And you're going to mix the uh, mix thrombin already in with it. We're going to go back and forth about six or seven times. It's a little tough, but just keep going and start loosening up. Almost there. Okay, great. And when that's done, just unscrew the transfer device. And we're going to want to connect one of your tips. Great. So you have the malleable white tip. And the beauty of this is you can actually cut this for, to the length that you want to use it. Uh, ideally, you want to cut it squarely so that way you don't create a point to uh, accidentally injure the patient when they use it. And that's how you prefer gel flow NT. Well, very good. And I, ultimately, I want to uh, jump on two points that he made. Number one, that tip is malleable. 
right? So the important thing about that is I can get into areas where I typically wouldn't be able to get to without a malleable tip, right? I can angle it specifically. I do minimally invasive surgery. I use a tube. I want to be able to angle the malleable tip into areas that I normally wouldn't be able to access. Number two, when you're cutting that, right, you don't want to create a sharp point. You create a sharp point. Well, what happens with that? I can injure the dura with that. The dura is a very thin structure. If I have a sharp point on anything, I can create a tear in it. So you want to have a square angle. Now, typically, I don't like them to be cut because they still create sharp edges. So I like to do uncut. I would rather have a longer tip than a cut edge uh, near the nerve root and dura. I think that was a that was a great demonstration, Michael. So what we can do is we can compare another similar product uh, called Surgiflow and see the difference between comparing and uh, preparing these two uh, products. Uh, next up, we have uh, another flowable, Surgiflow. Uh, this is one we typically use over here at Hospital for Special Surgery. Um, inside are the two parts that you need, you know, the Surgiflow, the gel part itself, and the thrombin. Okay, so the actual thrombin part can actually be prepared off the field, but you can also pass it onto the sterile field for the scrub person to prepare. And uh, this part, the with the actual gel, you're gonna want that's the one you're always gonna want to put onto the sterile field automatically. So I'm gonna start off with the thrombin. Thrombin inside. You have a pre-filled syringe with saline. You have your thrombin vial. You have your vial adapter. So, uh, pop off the cap. Uh, you open up the vial adapter. But what I like to do is I always like to hold on to the plastic uh, container that it's in uh, as to prevent contamination. And you want to make sure that the point inside does not get contaminated. And so you put that once again on a flat surface on top of the vial, come to the top. And uncap the pre-filled syringe. And it screws right on top. And just introduce that to the powder inside. And like I said, I like to give it a little swirl to prevent bubbles. Make sure you get all the product. And once that's all absorbed, draw it right back up. And this is ready to transfer onto the sterile field. So in the event that you are giving this to your scrub person, Circulator. Um, we have the, uh, the surgery flow has this little dish on the inside that they'll place on the sterile field, and this is where you're going to transfer the thrombin for your uh, scrub person to pick up. Now, inside the packaging for the uh, other inside the other packaging for surgery flow, we have the gel, you have a empty syringe, and then you have the applicator tip. So. Now we're on the sterile field. Your scrub person receives the thrombin from the circulator. And your scrub person will draw it up into the syringe. It's got to be dropped. Okay. And unscrew the end of the gel syringe. Connect them together. Just like before, I just want to mix it up together about six times.
effect. Throw the applicator. And that's the first surge flow. So, Michael, thank you for those demonstrations about gel flow and T and surge flow. Uh, we also use fibered sealants at HSS. Um, the, one of the ones that we use is called TISEAL. It's a, a two-component system that contains human fibrinogen in one container and human thrombin in another. They have to be separate because when they come in contact with each other, they create their own clotting cascade, essentially. So can you go over the preparation for TISEAL? Sure. Um, one of the big considerations before you even get to TISEAL, you want to make sure that the timing is going to be correct. You want to order it um, well in advance. Uh, to um, preparing it because the product to be thought out. So um, as soon as the surgeon communicates with you that they want the uh, to seal, you're going to want to order that and make sure that you have everything ready to um, get that thing thought out, uh, ready to go. So you want to make sure that you have a sterile water bath on the sterile field. Um, that way to help thaw it out. Um, so that by the time he's ready to use it, it's ready to go. Um, so what you want to do is um, once it's all thought out, you want to snap and lock together the syringe, and there's a tip, and it'll go on together. And uh, once you connect that, it's pretty much ready to go. There are various tips available. Uh, Michael, the MIS and endoscopy, obviously don't use endoscopy. MIS surgery, we could potentially reach harder to uh, get places with the MIS tip. I typically don't use it. And now, ultimately, the way I spray a fibrin sealant, it's important is I don't want to put it right on the wound. I want to actually step a little bit away because it works by integrating with itself. So you don't want to put it right in the area of concern. You actually want to spray it from up above. So I think that's an important component to any fiber and sealant. You kind of want to pull away from the patient a little bit and just spray it like a gas, essentially. So thanks for the excellent demonstration discussion, Michael. Let's conclude with a few SMART goals, which are action items for you, our audience, to apply in practice. So, number one, you want to involve the interprofessional team with planning for perioperative hemostasis. Number two, you want to anticipate the needs of the surgeon and time needed for preparation and administration of the hemostatic agents. I think Michael touched on this specifically with the fiber and sealants. And number three, you want to follow the manufacturer instructions for safe storage and sterile preparation of topical hemostatic agents. We do this very well at HSS. And like Michael said before, I've never, we've never really run into issues where there's been expired products or products that are in disarray. But it's very important. So thank you, Michael, and thank you to our audience for your attention. If you haven't already viewed them, be sure to check out Snacks 1 and 3 in this series, now available at www.cmeoutfitters.com, and be sure to fill out the evaluation and post-test to receive credit for today's activity. Stay safe, everyone.